Hello and welcome to Talking Europe. We're approaching an EU summit which is likely to be crucial for Ukraine and for its European partners. At stake is the formal opening of Ukraine's EU membership talks and a budget deal which, if approved, would give Ukraine a support package of 50 billion euros over the next four years. But squabbles over the EU's long-term budget have put a question mark over the proposed aid to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Kiev says that it has received 300,000 shells from the EU so far out of the promised 1 million. That joint European procurement of ammunition will also be in the spotlight at that important summit in Brussels. Well, for the Ukrainian perspective on all of this, I'm joined by Olga Stefanishina. She is the Deputy Prime Minister for European and Euro-Atlantic Integration in the Government of Ukraine. She was appointed to that post in June 2020. And she also chairs a number of important committees related to Ukraine's alignment with the EU, for example, on the green transition. Uh, Deputy Prime Minister, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you and this uh, yellow-blue colored studio. So you're in France. Uh, what have you been uh, talking about to French officials and particularly on the whole weapons question? What are you expecting from France at this point? Well, uh, uh, as usually, we're always uh, expecting the strong leadership of France in, uh, in many issues. Uh, especially on all European uh, on all European agenda, but uh, France has chosen a path of leading by its example, and it has been uh, one of the first countries who has uh, prepared a multi-annual uh, budget of military support for Ukraine, giving the clarity and predictability for the for its domestic industries and companies, but also um, basically uh, giving the unilateral security guarantee for the sustainability of support. Joint production of weapons as yeah. well. This is another thing that you're looking yeah. at with France at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So France has been one of the most largely represented company, uh, countries uh, at the defense industries uh, meeting in Ukraine. There is another meeting taking place uh, in D.C. And uh, uh, this is a very practical example to all the other countries. So, so yeah. Why do you think at the EU level, though, there is this shortfall between what was promised in March of this year and what's actually been delivered? Uh, one million shells, this was the ambition. This was the joint target. Mm. And this was the reality check where we are with the 300,000 uh, shell, uh, shells provided and produced. So uh, it's also a uh, process which identified the weaknesses and, uh, and uh, basically uh, gives us the understanding that we have a lot of things to do at the all European label, uh, level. I want to ask you about this um, uh, aid package, which I mentioned in the introduction, the 50 billion euros. I if you were to get that, um, what difference would that make concretely? Uh, well, first, uh, what we have to understand, that's 50 billion ambition for four years mm. is also a target. Uh, it's uh, a including the resources which Ukraine has to get access to because we're part of the accession process. 
that's that's uh, obvious there is a uh, part which is part of the macro financial assistance so it's not all like uh, the gift of 50 billion so there's the grants the loans the investments and now a very interesting idea of onboarding to this facility the uh, the benefits uh, from uh, managing the frozen assets so it's not the frozen assets per se but the uh, additional leverage financial leverage gain on that. So it shifts the burden from the member states to some extent. Uh, it gives a bit a uh, different angle. So it's very important that we have uh, you've been united and mobilized over this financial ambitions while the instrument throughout all of this four years could be different and the needs could be different. It's not necessarily this huge amount of resources within this package. You are obviously uh, waiting for a strong signal uh, from Brussels on EU membership talks. I just want to play us uh, one of the most recent tweets from the Hungarian uh, Prime Minister, uh, Viktor Orban, who said that it is clear that the proposal of the EU Commission on Ukraine's EU accession is unfounded and poorly prepared. There is no place for it on the agenda of the December EU Council. W what's your gut feeling? Do you think he's going to veto this? Well, uh, it is not the report in Ukraine. It's the enlargement package reform uh, report. It covers all nine enlargement countries. And uh, if, <laughs> the very fact that uh, it does not cover Moldova means that probably there's a, um, let's say, special gut feeling of uh, Prime Minister Orban on Ukraine. So it's definitely not about European Commission. And uh, uh, Ukraine has been uh, a, a golden standard of the merit-based approach. You know, no country uh, in the whole world will be able to form the anti-corruption system of bodies and relaunch the judicial reform within a year and uh, to start the constitutional court reform. We'll come back to the, to the reforms, but just on the whole uh, European political climate, do you feel it's changed though now? Because not only is Orban tweeting this kind of thing, but we have the return of uh, Robert Fico uh, to power in Slovakia, who says he's not going to send any uh, weapons, although private companies, of course, can still do that. And importantly, we have Hert Wilders, who won the election in the Netherlands, and he's against any further expansion of uh, the European Union. So a due sense kind of uh, cracks now in the EU. Uh, well, uh, it's definitely a turbulent period, especially ahead of all EU elections taking place uh, just in less than half an hour, uh, half, half, an, a uh, half a year. So uh, it's, it is turbulent. But uh, at the same time, uh, it is a reality that Ukraine brought back the agenda uh, of uh, the whole enlargement. It is clear that enlarged, transcend and reform Europe is the strong Europe and uh, uh, and we are obliged to overcome these challenges. On the other side, it's a very important decision for Ukraine on 15th of December to be taken. But on the other side, they are very technical. They are very technical. It's not the accession. It's not the mandate for the negotiations. It's just the decision to start the accession talks. And it should be taken. 
to uh, preserve uh, this unity, this attachment to European project, but also to give a signal to Western Balkan countries. You, you mentioned, you, you acknowledged that it's a turbulent period. One other yeah. uh, element that we have to mention in that context is uh, the situation on the border between Poland and Ukraine, and your government has described this as catastrophic. The Ukrainian truckers that are stuck along the border, Poland saying that it's facing unfair competition uh, from Ukrainian truckers. Um, how do you think this should be resolved? Uh, well, I, I expect a stronger engagement of uh, the relevant people in European Commission. Uh, there is a... You, you, uh, does, does that mean uh, penalties against Poland, potentially? No, no, no. It's like uh, European Commission has the uh, unified competence in trade issues. And European Commission has a trade commissioner, a transport commissioner, and these are people fully mandated to, to, to work on this situation. I think that their efforts could be really strengthened in that regard, and they really have to handle this situation. Uh, it's, uh, it is obvious that situation in terms of trade would not look the same it was before 24th of February, when Ukraine has a full access to the Black Sea, the Azov Sea, uh, we had the ability, we had a flight connection, now there's nothing that we have. And the situation was supposed to be heavy, and basically uh, this has to be handled. Let's go back to the question of, of reforms uh, in Ukraine. So uh, the president of the commission, Ursula von der Leyen, said that you'd completed almost all the seven steps that you needed. This was in November. I gather they have actually been completed now, the seven steps, is that right? So what, are the, what happens next then in the early part of, of next year on the reforms in that case? Uh, well, I think that the major message we heard from the Commission is that uh, like completing the seven steps doesn't mean completing the reforms. It's completing the seven steps. So uh, the major message that we heard that the reforms should be continuous. So we should uh, should show permanently the sustainability of this transformation and the results of it. So uh, setting up the anti-corruption infrastructure is one thing, but making it work is a different thing. Mm. We, uh, we have it fully enforcing in Ukraine and we have a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, let's say, issues showing the good track record and, uh, you know, relaunching the judicial system and bringing the actual justice is also a process. So we continue. There's also the occasional things that are in the news which aren't very good for Ukraine's image. For example, the lawmaker who was on the anti-corruption committee who was arrested for allegedly trying to bribe someone. This is the kind of thing that obviously rings yeah. alarm bells in Paris and yeah, but Brussels he was and, uh, arrested, true. he was investigated, and it has become public yeah. because the institution work, they investigate, and it just shows that nobody has an impunity, an immunity or that. I want to ask you a, a quick question about NATO as well uh, and what signals uh, you've received from NATO this year uh, and also something that a former NATO Secretary General, Anas Fulrasmussen, said, which is that Ukraine could... Uh, he suggested a, a sort of solution where Ukraine would join, but without the territories that Russia currently holds. Can you imagine that sort of deal or compromise? Well, I'm, um, um, uh, uh, we have a, as a uh, privilege as a politicians at war. You know, uh, we are forced 
to think on the very practical things uh, uh, which are the leading to our victory or, or, or our survival. So I don't think it's a very practical thing and I don't know to whom would this suggest and this was just something thrown in a public discourse. It might be discussed, but we are not yet there. So, we are totally on a different path than Vilnius Summit because Vilnius Summit has identified that Ukraine becomes a member of NATO. There are no territorial uh, like clauses, and we are moving towards that. And we have just recently identified the reforms needed for this purpose. I mean the political, because Ukraine is very much integrated already. And the institutions who, which are working in that regard. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for being my guest guest Olga Stefanishina, the Deputy Prime Minister for European and Euro-Atlantic Integration in the Government of Ukraine, joining me here in the Paris studios.